3 a.m. Tales of Terror contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to 3 a.m. Tales of Terror, where we tell you stories of the paranormal. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your co-host, Charlie. And in today's episode, we're going to be telling you two stories, Castle Loma in Toronto, Canada, and the Red Onion Saloon in Skagway, Alaska, neither of which we have been to. Have you been to Canada? No, I don't have a passport. You don't have a passport? I got a passport. <laughs> I got a passport. Oh, my God. I just got a sharp pain in my rib. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, I got a passport to go on our honeymoon, our supposed to have been honeymoon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We were supposed to go to Iceland. Reykjavik. Oh, my God. (laughs) And (laughs) that didn't happen. It got canceled. So we ended up going to Universal. So I didn't even need a passport. But now you have one in case, you know. Yeah, last a while. like $120 later, I have one for no reason. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> and I think I have been, I know this is going to sound weird. I guess, I guess I haven't been to Canada, but I don't remember it because I think I was like two. I don't know. My mother could tell you, but uh, we went to the, I guess the American side of Niagara Falls. So yeah, like if I lived in like North the northern part of america i totally would have one so i could go to canada mm-hmm. but i don't I right live in the south <laughs> yeah i mean i've heard canada's nice i want to go to tim hortons what is that it's like a coffee and donut place where kind of like our duncans and like right, right cream but it's canadian oh well i don't i'm i don't, I don't. the name sounds familiar but like i don't know i'm on the internet too much yeah, always on freaking TikTok. <laughs> you know it's true. Yeah, it is. I don't know. Would you rather go to Canada or to Mexico? Mexico for the food. True. True. I could be a basic white girl and go to Cancun. Oh my goodness. I've heard I've heard when you if you go there you have to be like you got to be really careful. Because, like, they're in Mexico, it's, like, you have, like, Cancun, and you have, um, like, the, the really nice areas of Cancun, and then, like, you go, like, two streets over, and it's, like, a place you don't want to be. Yeah. So. And you also have to be careful, like, a lot of people get, like, the, uh, like, bugs from drinking mm. the water and stuff. Yeah. I've always been told to not drink the water in any country yeah. that you go to like if you go to a different country don't drink the water and that goes for even even people that you know are from mexico they come here they would probably think the same thing yeah or you know i don't i don't think Canada's a problem with that but then again i still would probably be careful i would definitely ask the locals like hey right <laughs> but i've even heard that about like europe and stuff don't don't go over there and drink the water you just don't drink other people's water i don't know why Maybe it's because there's different like minerals and stuff that they use and places that they get it from different and you're filtration not, systems. Right, and you're not used to your body's not used to it. So like if you you know, our bodies are used to our tap water pretty much. And well water. And well the water. <laughs> and well water and you know, 
we're not used to Mexico's or Canada's or any of that, really. So, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> we'll get into the stories now. So, the first one we're going to talk about is uh, Casa Loma in Toronto, Canada. So, I'm going to go over some history. Um, Sir Henry Pellet was the king of Casa Loma. It was his eye for beauty that led him to invest millions of dollars to build this magnificent mansion comprising of 98 rooms, 30 bathrooms, 25 fireplaces, and much more. Sir Pellet was a leading financier, industrialist, and military officer of his time and controlled around 25% of Canada's economy. As big as Canada is, that's a lot, right? You would think. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, it's really big and a lot of parts are unpopulated, but just considering the populated parts, like, 25% like a fourth of all that. A fourth of anything anywhere is quite a bit. Right. Is Toronto on our side or the western side or is it in the middle? I don't know. I think everything's in the middle or on the east side. I don't remember there really being anything on the west side. But no, I'm not British, really good at British, Brit- British Columbia and Alberta are over We there. have a map in here, but we're not doing very well. No. The only thing that's on this map up here is uh, British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and Quebec. That's all I can see. So, and I just went from West Coast to East Coast. So, anyways, 25% of Canada's economy does seem like a lot. I guess for the time, you know? Yeah, I mean... I just hit the mic, too, so sorry. I controlled 25% of North Carolina's economy. Like, that's like... Well, if you controlled 25% of North Carolina's economy, it would probably be better than it is right now. Anyways. And we'd have a proper studio. (laughs) Yes. To fulfill his ambitions for a palatial home, he hired Toronto's brightest architect, E.J. Lennox, to design Casa Loma. It took 300 men three years to complete. In 1882, Pellet married Mary Dogson, who came to be called Lady Pellet. Lady Pellat, I don't know if it's Pellet or Pellat. I'm going to say Pellat. It just sounds more Canadian. Yeah. Lady Pellat encouraged and sponsored the girl guides of Canada and held parties at Casa Loma for these girls. Misfortune, however, met the owners of Casa Loma when financial troubles forced them to evacuate their home in 1924. Since then, Casa Loma's ownership has changed hands a number of times. Currently, Casa Loma is in charge of the Liberty Entertainment Group and serves as a royal getaway for the people of Toronto. So now we're going to talk about the special architecture of Casa Loma. Spectacular architecture and modern technology classified Casa Loma as one of the marvels of Toronto in the early 1900s. The castle exhibited the benefits of electric power, which was very new to North America at the time. It had an elevator, which was the first of its kind in a private home in North America, and the castle's ovens were so big that each one could cook an entire ox. The mansion was fitted with a central vacuuming system and had its own telephone exchange with so many telephones that the castle's operator handled more daily calls from the castle itself than operators from the entire city of Toronto. The furniture of the Oak Room of Casa Loma was designed by the same company that furnished the Titanic. Casa Loma also was equipped with several secret passages and stairwells, the most interesting of which was the 800-foot-long tunnel that connected the castle to the horse stables. 
The stables themselves were a stunning wonder, with herringbone tile floors, carved mahogany walls, and cast iron panels. First of all, this <laughs> this house or whatever it is, it it sounds so. It's I mean it's got to be like a castle. It's because, a mansion. Yeah, a mansion because it's like it's oh my goodness gracious, eight hundred foot long tunnel just to get to some horses though. Herringbone is my favorite. <laughs> I love that kind of flooring. Okay, so you know the coffee table downstairs? Uh-huh. With the herringbone pattern yes. in the middle of it? I love that. Why don't you ask Kenny about that? <laughs> Was it hard to make? Listen. Listen. He, okay. <laughs> Just gonna stop for a second. because. So, he was using an old table saw to cut and... So, like, we put the herringbone pattern together, right? That's easy. But you have to... He had to cut it, like, to make it even, right? So it would fit in the table and look good. But the table saw he was using was old. And it it cut it crooked. I thought that I... I, I don't even know. I, I He... So, okay, so they have a, a wall down there by the basement... He was so mad. He was cutting it outside. And at the time, you know, there was there was no, like, camper or anything. The cars weren't in the way. So, <laughs> he got so mad. He took the herringbone, that, the piece that messed up, and he, he, he slammed it up against the retaining wall. <laughs> I mean, like, he was like, I, I don't even want to repeat the words that he used because I don't even... Mm -mm. He was just slamming it up against the retaining wall in the concrete. He was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> so after that, me and Liz, actually, we put the herringbone pattern together again. Because it was, he was, it took him like two hours to put it together the first time. Because he did it himself. So, <laughs> so me and Liz put it together the second time. And it didn't take that long. But like, hmm, it was not... That coffee table has blood, sweat, and literal tears into it <laughs> down there. It, it's, mm-mm-mm. Herringbone powder is nice, but it's not fun to, <laughs> to make. At least when you, you need to have, like, good tools. So. Contractors. Yeah. Because I want it for flooring. So Contractors. <laughs> Unless you're making a coffee table. He was like, I just want a coffee table that has herringbone down the middle. I think that would be cool. When he was in his furniture making stage. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so. Okay, back to the story. Sorry. Secrets of the Casaloma. Casaloma is more than just luxurious living and ballroom dances. A military secret lurked in the stables of Casaloma during World War II. During this period, German U-boats threatened shipping services between Britain and North America. To combat this threat, Britain developed the ASDIC device, which was an early form of sonar that could detect U-boats at a distance of 8 kilometers. However, in a terrifying attack, Britain's ASDIC-producing plant was bombed by German planes. A secret location for the ASDIC device laboratory was needed. A Canadian engineer, William Corman, was assigned the task of finding such a location. He came up with the idea of using Casaloma stables as the secret research lab. His idea worked, and even Toronto city councillors were kept in the dark regarding this fact. 
Little did the unsuspecting tourist of Casaloma know that the construction in progress, sorry for the inconvenience, sign outside of Casaloma stables shielded a major military action in progress. It was not until decades later that the secret came that the secret fact came to public light. That's cool. Right? Kind of weird. So now we're going to talk about the ghost. Casaloma's long history is riddled with spooky tales of strange noises, voices, apparitions, and invisible grabbing hands. Tourists and staff at Casaloma have often reported episodes of haunting in the century-old castle. The White Lady seems to be the most popular of the ghosts. A number of guests and cafeteria staff attest to witnessing a woman dressed in white haunting the palace. She is believed to be a maid who worked at Casaloma in the early 1900s. The first owners of Casaloma, Sir Henry and Lady Pilat, also seem to haunt the palace. During an outdoor function in Casaloma's gardens, a young boy reported sighting a man at a second floor window. The second floor was locked at the time, and the description of the man that the boy gave shockingly matched that of Sir Henry Pilat. Hauntings by Lady Pilat's ghost have been reported with lower frequency. People say the need to leave Casaloma due to financial reasons led the unsatisfied spirits of the owners to haunt their beloved home. The castle's underground tunnel is also creepy. Strange noises have been heard by visitors, and a playful spirit is believed to be responsible for grabbing people's hands and pulling their hair occasionally. People have also reported hearing the spirit in the tunnel sighing gruffly and he has even been captured in recordings speaking and interacting with visitors. In one recording, he has heard mimicking a medium who said, oh, he's a horrible person, while trying to make contact. Maybe that's why you shouldn't talk shit about ghosts. <laughs> You'd think that people would know that by now. I know. But they don't. That's why, I mean, I would probably mimic them too. You called me horrible. Like, okay, you think I'm horrible? How about now? <laughs> like... I'm gonna get you. <laughs> mm-hmm. A woman believed to be Lady Mary has also been spotted on the grounds, though though Disrochers pointed out that the notoriously private woman has proven elusive. At one point, the Canada's most haunted team attempted to film her room, leaving a camera running while they explored other parts of the castle. When the team returned to check the footage, the tape was gone. A Casaloma staff member who Disrochers said was skeptical the castle-held ghost, had locked the door behind them before they left. This was one of those older cameras where if you don't insert the tape, it won't run. So I know I put it in there, and the staff member saw me put it in, just Rogers said. The staff member said, I locked down the room, and I just looked at him and said, I got nothing. The tape's MIA to this day. Dis Rogers then set up a different camera that stored footage on a hard drive only to find that it shut itself off or had been shut off after 10 minutes. According to mediums who claim they have felt the presence of Sir Henry and Lady Mary, their spirits are not trapped there, instead choosing to be there after the Palats were ousted from Casaloma after being unable to keep up with its cost. A lot of mediums say they come back in what's called a visitation state because they didn't have the castle very long, just Rogers said. That's kind of weird. They're probably like, uh, no, you kicked us out, so... Um, we built this place. Yeah. Like. <laughs> we built this place, and I was the first lady, so... Yeah. 
I'm not leaving. Who are you? Exactly. I'm the owner of this house. <laughs> like, I built this place. You can get out, bitch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't. I mean, I, that's funny. I guess I guess with the cameras, they were probably like, yeah, no, this isn't happening. Yeah. That happens a lot on, like, ghost TV shows and stuff. Right. They like to mess with the cameras. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't like being recorded. Yeah. I mean, try recording me while I sleep. I wouldn't like that. No. <sighs> you couldn't record me when I slept. I have a, like, a sense or something. Like, I was laying down. So, like, in the bedroom in there, I usually move the pillow over and open the window so that Eli can look out the window, right? Well, it was, like, 930 at night. And I'm like, I'm just trying to sleep. And I was facing towards him. All of a sudden, I could feel somebody was staring at me so I open my eyes and Eli is like looking at me and I'm like dude stop staring at me like you just woke me up I can't I I can't I can feel when people are looking at me so not just people apparently cats too it's it's weird and ghost stop Ooh. Kenny thought that there was a ghost in this house uh like a month ago, like last month uh-huh because I don't know it there was just weird noises happening, and um, he was like, well, we were upstairs, and we heard, like, not necessarily, like, footsteps, but, like, just something moving around downstairs, and he went down there, he grabbed the gun, he went down there, and he was like, he didn't see anything. It went away. So he went into, because it wasn't that late, so he went into the, their bedroom, and he was like, uh, this house is haunted. He was like, y'all need to get a blessed again. Don't be white. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, That's why I like having pets. Because if I hear something weird, I just blame it on them. Yeah. But that's the other thing. Until you have them all with you. And exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like when I went to the beach um, for the... Oh, gosh. I, I keep bumping the mic. I'm so sorry. Um, when I went to the beach for that week... For my bachelorette party, <laughs> Kenny was like, it, he was still, we were still living in Kernersville, so he was sleeping. He, I guess he did not like sleeping alone in there, because, mm -mm. but he was sleeping, and he heard something. He heard, like, so the floor in the, in the Kernersville house, the kitchen floor was, like, original hardwood floor from 1989, and it was cracked, and you could not physically walk on any part of that floor without being heard or without it creaking literally it was it was awful so he heard the floor creak and it was late he was like he's like it was like 11 o'clock at night and um he thought it was Eli because like when I tell you like you could not physically walk that even that 14 pound cat could not walk on that floor without it creaking so he goes Eli and that cat was in the bed with him and he goes and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so he got up. He swept the house. He was like, this house is haunted. I was like, yeah, I know. There's a reason I don't go up in the attic. <laughs> Let's just hope your new house, the land isn't haunted. Because obviously it's a new build. Yes, it is. So let's Yeah, let's, let's hope, hope not. And, you know, besides the fact it's next to a cemetery. <laughs> well, it's not next to it. It's down the road. So hopefully they stay on their side and... I mean, it's in a church. It's a church cemetery. 
It's not just nothing. (laughs) Ghosts do what they want to do. Nothing. Uh, Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But back on topic. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, resources for Casaloma were theculturetrip.com and toronto.com. Okay, so moving on, we're going to go to Alaska. And we're going to talk about the Red Onion Saloon in Skagway, Alaska. So... In the late 1800s, the Klondike Gold Rush brought in a boatload of miners. Their needs for drink, gaming, and intimate female companionship were big money makers. In Skagway, a variety of businesses offered ladies to satisfy the sensual appetites of their patrons, despite the fact that it was officially against the law. Like, prostitution? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) There were 10,000 miners and 300 prostitutes in town. Well, if I had just kept reading... I would have figured that out. (laughs) Wow. Of all the many brothels in town, the grandest, most stylish brothel was located in the Red Onion Saloon. It was built in 1897, opened in 1898, at the height of the Klondike Gold Rush as a premier bordello, a casino, and a high-class saloon. The ladies were treated very well as valued assets and had good working conditions for prostitutes. Their madam provided for all their needs, their bouncer protected them, and there was a system in place that safeguarded them from being robbed, which is how that should be. So if they can do that, if they can do that in the 1800s or early 1900s, you can do that now. So, (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Each worker had a 12-hour shift with 15 minutes for each client. That means they could have had up to 48 clients in a 12-hour shift. Wow. That's... Hey, you have a lunch break in between. I mean, uh, clearly it was dessert all the all around. Like, I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know. I mean, forty-eight. Mm, you do you, boo. Dang. Out of the five-dollar fee, they kept a dollar twenty-five. Fifty percent of the five dollars went to the madam, and twenty-five percent of the fee went to pay for their security, the bouncer. Well, dang, they didn't get paid a lot to do that. But, I mean, then again, I wonder how much that is today. To earn $1.25 per trick was good money, as legal jobs that existed at the time for women paid no more than $3 a day. The women who worked here made as much money as they could and then left Skagway before anything else could happen to them. The turnover of women was high, but no one was killed by a client who beat them up. Okay, so about the money part? Yes. Women would make $3 a day. They would make $1.25 in 15 minutes. Wow. Times 48, whatever that is, that's a bunch of money. $1.25, it'd be, I mean, it's over $50. Over 50 bucks, yeah. I'd be a prostitute back then for that kind of money. <laughs> I mean. I don't like being broke. <laughs> no. Ten dolls stood up at the bar to represent the ladies who were open and looking for clients. When a miner picked one of them, the doll was laid down on the bar to signify that his particular lady, that this particular lady was busy. After 15 minutes, if the client didn't leave on time, the bouncer would come into the room and escort him out. So they were very, like, on top of their shit. Yeah, it sounds like a decently run business so far. I mean, yeah. After finishing with the client, the ladies put their $5 in a copper tube in the floor of their crib that took the money down to a safe deposit box located behind their doll on the bar. When the client was satisfied and left the crib, the doll stood up again, 
with the other dolls to signify that the lady was again available. The Klondike Gold Rush played out by 1900, and the gold seekers moved on to the next gold rush opportunity in Nome, Alaska. The Red Onion Saloon building became a popular dance hall in the 1900s. After a dance with a lady, the client might go up the stairs for a roll in the hay, Through though sources say the brothel was only open for two years during the height of the gold rush. This building was moved in 1914 on rolling logs to its current location, nearer to the railroad station, in a bid to get customers as they came in on the train. The building was used for a variety of purposes too, being in a prime location. A pharmacy, a telegraph station, and a World War II army barracks, as well as a bakery, a TV station, and a gift shop called the Structure Home. In 1980, once again this structure became the Red Onion Saloon. Owner Jan Rentmore bought a liquor license and renovated the building so it could be up to code for the saloon kitchen. All the copper piping had to be removed because it was deemed a fire hazard, which meant the wooden floors had to be lifted up to get to the pipes. It was at this time that the ladies' precious belongings were found hidden under these floorboards. The Red Onion Saloon and Restaurant opened up once more. At first, the upstairs area was used for staff changing rooms and an office. The old madam's room became a bedroom for a visiting artist who performed in the first floor saloon. However, when cruise ship tourists showed an interest in the bordellos, the second floor was turned into their own brothel museum, an authentic display of what life was like for the women who worked in this disreputable profession at the Red Onion Saloon. Prostitution was a hard way to make a living with a lot of risk attached to it, both physical and emotional. You could become pregnant, catch a disease, get beaten up, or even killed by a client or jealous boyfriend. If you were lucky, you might only suffer debilitating heartbreak. The spirit of Lydia deeply resents the treatment she got from men. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so prostitution, like, all of that. Maybe I don't want to do it for the money. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all of that's true today. So, I mean, but at least today we do have, you know, uh, stuff in place that to protect you, you know, condoms, birth control, stuff like that, that, you know, you should use if you are sleeping with somebody that you don't know. Even with someone you know. Yeah. So, um... I mean, if that's your choice of work, that's that's not on me to judge you or decide. But all I would say is just be safe. Yeah, be safe. Because that's, th- I mean, that's even back then it, it was clearly an issue. I mean, you don't know. All right. So visiting the Red Onion Saloon, the historic 1898 structure is described as being a white two-story building with dark trim and a storefront window. The first floor was and is now a saloon, and the second floor is their night. I want to say 1988, but it's not that. I'm so dyslexic. <laughs> the first floor was and is now a saloon, and the second floor is their 1898 brothel museum. This whole building was originally located at 6th and State Street. Skagway's year-round population of approximately 1,000 residents nearly doubles in size in order to support over the 900,000 visitors that flock to the area via the cruise ships at the height of the tourist season. A thousand residents? I mean, I know a lot of people don't live in Alaska, but like, dang. I mean, they really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to live there. It's too cold. Mm-hmm. 
One place that is very popular with these tourists is the Red Onion Saloon and Brothel Museum. The Red Onion Saloon makes a good profit catering to out-of-towners who come from far and wide to take advantage of the saloon's historical offerings. The Red Onion Saloon and Brothel Museum have kept the authentic atmospheric gold rush ambiance of the first floor saloon as well as the second floor brothel museum. So it is like taking a step back in time to 1898. The Brothel Museum's Dawson's, dressed in 1898 saloon girls' costumes, will take visitors through this brothel museum telling stories about the ladies and their lives here. They were much appreciated by many lonely miners. And that's miners with an ER, not, not a child. Just so you know. <laughs> the tour brings visitors up the stairs where they can see t the ten small rooms, which were called cribs. An added plus is seeing the madam's bedroom. The good time ladies who worked here serviced their customers here. Each room had several doors leading out of the crib in case of emergencies. The rooms are also a step back in time, looking like the lady who worked in it had stepped out for a walk. Some of the original relics, possessions of the ladies found under the floorboards and paintings of them are also interesting to look at and study. The owner's personal collection of antiques are on display as well. The tour is $10 a person and lasts 20 minutes. It includes a red onion souvenir garter. That's cool. Yeah. And now the ghost. One of the most recognizable spirits in the red onion saloon is Lydia. Lydia was one of the prostitutes of the former brothel. The years may have passed, but her spirit apparently did not. There have been various reports of footsteps heard on the second floor where the brothel used to be. The strong smell of perfume would linger in the air, and there would also be extreme cold spots where the smell of perfume had originated. Once there was a great disturbance on the upper floors, so the police were called to check. As they approached the stairs, they saw a figure, believed to be the ghost of Lydia, running down the hall and into a room, a room which was, one of, was once the former madam's. Under inspection, the room was empty and there was nowhere for any intruder to go. Lydia is also said to water the plants. There have been many occasions when the hostess of the house would find the soil damp as if someone had watered it recently. Lydia has been seen many times in full apparition and she has also been observed walking around the madam's room. It is said that sometimes she can be hostile towards men, however, it has not been established if she died in the house. Both the Red Onion Brothel Tour and the Larger Brothel Tour advertise the spirit Lydia, and if visitors are lucky, she may appear. So many ghosts named Lydia. <laughs> I know. There's always a ghost so many, named Lydia. I have Lydia. so many friends named Lydia, now there's all these ghosts named Lydia. I know. <laughs> oh, speaking of Lydia's, I think that people have been sending me articles about Lydia of um Jamestown the Lydia's Bridge yeah people have been saying I think they have like an update maybe we can put that in like a a bonus episode or something yeah I think it was an update about um who it was like the the girl yeah because it was like mixed reports or something yeah so I don't know but I, I feel like there's been an update or something I don't, I don't know and I think it had something more I think it had more to do with the Lawson family murders than they thought which we're going to have to talk about because... Right. That new Netflix show. What new Netflix show? 28 Days Locked In. Mm, okay. It features the dry goods store in Madison where the Lawson family murders were uh, in the funeral home. Oh, okay. We also need to do um, The Watcher. We need to find that story about The Watcher. Oh, yeah. 
I haven't watched that. It looks creepy. I haven't watched it, but Scared to Death did a episode on it about um, Six Five Seven Boulevard. It's very good. We should do that one day. Okay. So. Um. Okay. So resources before I forget because I almost did. Uh, resources for the Red Onion Saloon were hauntedrooms.com and hauntedhouses.com. So I don't. I mean, I thought these stories were really cool. They're not, yeah. I, I don't There's think. There's a lot of history, but like the history there, is really interesting. Yeah, there is a lot of history and I enjoy going over the history, you know, in, in the stories just so that way, hopefully you guys and also us, we can get, you know, background yeah. information. Like we can tell you about the ghost, but like what led up to it? Like Right. And that's why sometimes if there's not a lot of history to a story, I try to find like an encounter tale or something to go along with it. But, you know, most of the time there's more history than there is like ghost and yeah. i like especially with with uh sloss furnaces gosh yeah. there was so much history with that but you know i feel like learning about the history is very is really important so that you can kind of get an idea and a feel of how the place was run or the time period the, yeah the time period so that you know like what may have been going on or how you know how it was run how it operated how the people were if you know people were bad people yeah at the time or not so it just gives you a better idea of why it's haunted yeah thank you yeah i hope you guys enjoyed these stories castle loma and the red onion saloon so we'll Bye. see you next time Thanks for coming to hang out with us and letting us tell you stories. Don't forget, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at 3AM Tales of Terror. You can find pictures from each episode there as well as our website, 3, the number 3, 3AMTalesOfTerror.com. You can also subscribe with your email at our website for updates as well. If you have any questions or story ideas for us, you can email us at info at 3AMTalesOfTerror.com. That's a three and not the word. If you want to support us, you can sign up to become part of our Patreon. There, you will get ad-free episodes as well as bonus content. We hope you'll join us next week. And, and we, we hope, hope you are terrified. terrified.